Hello and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. Hey, this is Holly real quick, and I just wanted to give you a heads up that today's podcast was recorded over Zoom, and the connection on my side wasn't great. So when I did the edit, I tried to cut all the crap out. Uh, Hopefully you'll enjoy it, though. There's a lot of medical planning, preparation, and insurance information included in here, and I hope you find it useful. So today we get to talk about uh, medical preparation, and there's a lot to discuss. But first, we're going to cover what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, We're recording this podcast over Zoom, actually, because Stefan is in France and I'm in the U.S. What are you up to, buddy? I'm adjusting to my new lifestyle. As a single, living at large as a single man in France. (laughs) Yeah, in, in in a touristic town, partying at night. Drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and eating yeah, patisseries. Right. <laughs> I do believe the last one is probably true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's uh, just kind of cover where we left off. So we were headed to France together, and we were able to take our bags that were stored at um, your parents' friend's house down to the south of France, where Itumer is, to make sure we had all of our stuff. We checked into an Airbnb with all of our bags, and um, which was quite a bit of hauling bags up and down. And then we attended Outremer Week, and um, we were able to do some courses, which we'll talk about. And then I headed back to the U.S. and then um, had a business trip and came came back to the U.S. and I'm here now. And yeah, you get to hang out there and finish all of the boat uh, commissioning and and boat work going on there. What's the status of the boat? Yeah, just before we dive into that, who thought that was a good idea that we will spend like two months apart? Yeah, (laughs) I think this will be the longest we've been apart, actually. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Sad. And yeah. especially after the last, well, since we started cruising, I guess we've been together nonstop between COVID and being on the boat, yeah, and traveling, uh, yeah. So it's an adjustment. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, I'm so, here yeah. with my daughter, so I'm I'm staying busy and we're doing stuff here, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on with and, the boat? And so the boat is um, so what well, during the Tremere week we found out the boat was delayed by a week. So now the delivery date is August seven. It will get into the water on July third. And so once he gets into the water, the focus will be on, um, you know, there will be some uh, test uh, sale. Test uh, well, uh, I call this a test for the sales, which uh, found out uh, being or have been fabricated. Some have been delivered to Woo-hoo! Brittany, France. Yeah. 
So at some point, you know, sales will come into La Grande Motte and, um, and then try all these sales. And uh, so that's that will have to happen once the boat is in the water. The other thing that will happen is uh, will be, um, or they'll be doing some uh, testing on the engine because we'll be the first 52 with the Nani engines. So mm-hmm. that's going to have to happen. And and I'm sure that Coutromer has a long list of stuff that they go through as part of their quality control. So, uh, but yeah, most of the work will have to be done. Oh, and then putting the mast, <laughs> mast up and all the rigging. Uh, but that will be done probably on the same day or as the boat is being put in the water. So, so yeah, it'll be a, a busy, busy month, the last month. So last time we were together, we were doing Ochoa Week. So just a quick recap of what we covered. We did uh, sailing and boat handling on the 52, hole number one, which was super cool because we got to sail basically on what will be our boat. Uh, and mm-hmm. actually it was really cool because, you know, we st- I stepped on the boat and I was like, oh, okay, this is totally manageable. You know, I felt like it felt familiar. You know what I mean? It didn't feel overly big. Uh, and, and even doing the docking, the boat was really responsive. So that was, that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. we, it's, we, it's still pretty big. Think? I think it's, yeah. it's like when you look at it from, from the dock, um, yeah, it looks go, big like, from the dock it's, for sure. It's, it's definitely the freeboard is very high. It's, it's a big boat, but I think. It's like human size manageable, if that if that makes yeah. any sense. And then with all the controls that you can bring back to the cockpit, everything like it's a nice open cockpit salon area. And mm-hmm. so there's definitely lots of, of space and, and with all the windows and the visibility. So it's very open. But mm-hmm. at the same time, everything is is kind of um uh yeah human size <laughs> I yeah. guess <laughs> manageable definitely manageable yeah. by two people and uh, I thought that was really awesome uh and there were some tips and that we learned from the instructor about how to do things single-handed he was really big into making sure you could do some things like reefing reefing with one person which was really interesting so I'm excited to get on the boat and kind of try those things on, on our own boat um, yeah, so the other can sleep. <laughs> yeah, I can reef. I can reef all the time if I want. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, no, maybe I'll wake up and I'll be like, "What's up with the speed?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other, the other course we took was offshore maintenance, which we're going to definitely do a future episode about because there's a lot of you know maintenance parts and spares a lot of interesting things we're learning there so we'll save the recap on that for for actual episode mm-hmm. you got to take a drone class um flying the drone class um have you been able to sail do the drone at all while you're while you've been there no because i've been busy <laughs> uh busy. doing other things Okay, and then um, we took an offshore medical course, which is the main topic of this podcast, so not to go off on tangents, but um, yeah. the the other thing I want to just quickly cover is the sailing days and the Ultramere Cup. So I missed that part of it, but it sounds like you had a couple really cool days of quote-unquote racing. How was that? 
Oh, no, that was no quote-unquote racing. That was racing. (laughs) 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 Amateur ultramarine racing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, that was, we got very lucky with the wet weather. Um, Well, overall, it was pretty lighter. Uh, but the great thing is those Utomir can can quite move in even lighter, probably like 20 boats or something, I'm guessing. And uh, no, there was definitely some close, lots of races each day. And uh, the starts are interesting because uh, there's definitely some close contact. <laughs> uh, yeah, those boats get so close together. I remember yeah. from last year, it was so they're just so close and, uh, no that was that was quite awesome and uh, the first day i kind of focused on taking some videos and pictures um and then the the other two days i was kind of more involved these uh, maneuvers and stuff so no that was definitely a, a great i mean i definitely highly i mean you discovered this last year yeah you had never raced before and and you can you can share but I think you realize that you do a lot more of the maneuvers and you have to move faster. And so that kind of pushes you out of your kind of class mode. And then you learn, yeah. you learn quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's definitely, definitely cool. So I'm, I'm bummed that I missed it. Um, but the yeah. class we got to take together was the offshore medical course. And that was, that was super awesome. And we want to talk about the medical in a lot of detail mm-hmm. uh, in today's podcast. So um, what was interesting before we kind of go into what we learned is just some basic statistics on some of the problems. So um, what we were reading about is um, there was a study done uh, recently. They studied like 412 boats or something, and they were sailing off different parts of the world for a four-year period, uh, various degrees or lengths of sailing from six months to a few years. And what they learned is their, the medical situations were like 56% illnesses and 44% injuries. And basically half of the boats declared at least one incident um, with the average of two and a half incidents per boat. So that's just some interesting statistics we learned. Um, we also learned that where they occurred, the incidents occurred were 51% at sea, um, 24% onshore, and um, 25% is described as like either at anchor or close to land, or, you know, I, I imagine that includes things at marinas or docks um, as well. Um, in terms of the injuries, uh, which was, which was the 44% of the incidents that were encountered, 42% were wounds, uh, one fifth of those linked to fishing. So we're not going to be fishing on the boat. So (laughs) that should cut down some risk. Uh, (laughs) You're reducing our risk. Um, sprains and fractures, through falls or contact with structures is 23%. So no running on the boat, no jumping or running on the dock or from the boat to the dock would be a good idea. Uh, 25% uh, were burns related uh, 15, to either 15% oh, sorry. what I say? 
What I said. 25. Sorry. 15% were burned from either the galley or working with ropes. That's good. I always wear my gloves. Uh, 12% were, looks like stings from marine wildlife. So jellyfish, scorpion fish, et cetera. Uh, 1% is head injuries, uh, head trauma with evacuation. Yeah. So don't get hit in the head. And, um, Others were 6%, yeah, yeah, uh, 6% tendon, uh, tendonitis or dental. Um, so that's the injury component. And then illnesses, 56% of the problems uh, encountered were, were with illnesses, uh, as I mentioned before. 30% of those had to do with digestive or like stomach issues. Um, UTI or kidney stones, um, urinary tract infections were 16%. Uh, ear, nose, and throat, like ear infections or so- sore throat was 15%. Skin infections were 12%. Uh, dental illnesses, infections, or breakages were 8%. And um, looks like back issues or osteo issues were 6% and cardiac and respiratory um, pulmonary or asthma was 3% and other things like um, dengue fever, seasickness with the hydration, eye problems and allergies were about 10%. So, you know, the worst things that you think about happening obviously are the head traumas and cardiac arrest, which relatively were a very low percentage. So, I mean, that that kind of puts things in perspective, right? The likelihood yeah, of this think, happening is pretty low. I think, yeah, it's kind of helpful because mm-hmm. otherwise you're like, you know, I mean, and somebody described it, you know, it's, and some people might have different philosophy, like, you know, but you're basically buying a medical kit as a, as kind of an insurance policy. Yeah? You hope yeah. to never have to use it, but uh, at least you need to be able to, take care of like those basic things. I mean, wounds, wound, basically watch where you step or how you walk and stuff like this, what you touch and, and watch, watch what you eat. That kind of like that, that addresses a lot of the, uh, those main problems. Yeah. yeah I think they just day, basically living the daily boat life with basic safety first, you know, always have one hand for the boat, no matter what, watch where you step, you know, be careful, mm-hmm. just being careful, I think, and and more thoughtful uh, about things is probably eliminates well, a lot of risk. Um, and I guess what happens is it's, I mean, if everything goes well on the boat, you're going to tend to move slow and do things properly. It's more, I think, once something happens on the boat and typically that's going to be when you know something breaks or then the conditions or like you know sea state and wind this is when you tend to go fast to try to solve the problem and and that's probably at those times those things are going to happen so i think it's to probably to always remain kind of do things sequentially as much as possible and try even in in the moment of like, you know, um, how can I say, of uh, intense moment to try to not go too fast because then that's Mm -hmm. usually when you're going to kind of uh, do something wrong. 
easier yeah, said than done. There's but. times, yeah, there's times of urgency, right? But I think that the key thing is, um, you know, to remain calm, be deliberate, you know, and if it's yeah. obviously if it's urgent, you know, to act quickly, but to be methodical and deliberate, you know, in your actions, yeah. deliberately figure out where you're going to step deliberately walk quickly, you know, like there's ways I think to think about yeah. it. I, that was a huge takeaway for me is so much yeah. can be avoided, you know? And then even as bad the situation yeah. is like, you could make the situation worse. <laughs> so I think, exactly. uh, you know, so, so it's like, yeah, just to, you know, to take the time to go through the, whatever problem you're dealing with and, and, yeah. and to remember there are both parts that can be replaced and uh, sure it's not good if you have potentially something that's going to break and you want to try to resolve it you know quickly but that's easier and cheaper uh, than when you're at sea and then you have like a, a broken arm or something, someone getting you know? hurt yeah. yeah yeah for sure yeah so that was that was a really big take and I was reflecting medical book um you know in the trauma response book I've very much about if something happens you know the first thing you have to do is you know completely scan the environment like like if you see someone fall over there or up on or you know far away from you before you run to them just take a moment to scan the environment and look for other risks because um you know, maybe, maybe a line is flopping around or something that could actually also injure you as you're running to their rescue. So being just more thoughtful and to take a moment and make sure that again, you're just being deliberate and even addressing the emergency. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that was reiterated in the class. So, yeah, so we're going to just kind of go through four sections. Um, we're going to talk about preparing the crew uh, improving the medical skills on board, what we learned in the class, um, how to equip the boat. We'll talk about medical kits and then we'll talk about uh, telemedicine uh, and, and insurance a little bit. Basically, like as part of our health insurance, like we don't take at the moment uh, dental insurance in the US because we figured like when we travel after you experience you had in Turkey and, you know, it's it's really good, it's cheap. And, you know, why not do things, you know, the basic stuff here. And so I, it was very convenient because there was a dentist office downstairs in my building. So I just walked mm -hmm. over there and, um, and I thought, uh, yeah, why not? And, and then basically they gave me an appointment and, and then I said, um, call me anytime because I leave upstairs and. And they ended up calling me two days later and say, hey, can you come on Saturday? And, and I'm like, sure, I'll be there. So I walked yeah. downstairs. and awesome. And so, yeah, it's very nice. And and basically, yeah, you pay out of pocket, but it's uh, it's very reasonable fees. So. And we've been doing the big checkups. I went and got, you know, my annual physical um, exam kind of done, and that was all fine. Um, and then just making sure we're current on vaccines. I think we're still wondering if we should get rabies shot. I think that's the one that's a little bit for me outstanding on whether we should do or not. And then uh, getting in shape. Yeah. So, <laughs> 
since we've been kind of traveling a lot, um, you know, we did our thing in Bali and we, we, at least for me, I got a, a good kind of core base, I think going when we were there. And so I've been focused on, I started back up Pilates off and, you know, doing more kind of core strengthening and then you got to join a gym. So you're doing that. How's that going? Yeah, John, Are you sore? John. Now I think <laughs> well, it was helpful what we did in Bali because we were doing basically like physical exercise between yoga, stretching and so forth. Uh, every day for 14 days um so that was yeah. very helpful and um so i think that was kind of an important reset and now it's kind of uh, i need to continue the stretching which i haven't done but uh, yeah i thought i'll join the gym and and then uh, continue to kind of build a little bit of strength and in preparation yeah for being on the boat and and i think once we're on the boat um once you set up a routine we were pretty good um, on with our first yeah, boat yeah. to do um, to do some some kind of a yoga basic strength. I think yoga is cool. really good. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Just to stretched and like have your core strength because you're like you're always jerking your body in weird angles with like a bag of groceries or something or a bag of something, you know. And so yeah, good. I, I yeah, think absolutely. I mean we realized this the first time we moved on the boat. I took a I mean moving from sitting at computers all day to yeah. basically walking barefoot, standing on the boat. And, and then it took uh, a little bit of time for bodies to adjust. So like even I the little, that's... even the little muscles in your feet, you know what I mean? Like even just oh, yeah. standing on flat surfaces. You, yeah. You know, and then a hard surface. Yeah. So, so it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely helpful to try to work things out before you get on the boat. So it's, so that's preparing the crew is like, anything you can do three to six months before you're going to leave um, that you can use yeah. that time. And um, so that kind of starts there. It's just, it's just to help prevent injuries. And, you know, I'm trying to lose a little bit of extra weight just because it puts extra pressure on my back and, you know, my knees and everything. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's and not it makes... much, but even if you can lose a few pounds, you know, it kind of helps. Right. And yeah, and it makes, even without the injuries, it makes your experience better, you know, because if you feel yeah. good, you know, like then you can be more active on the boat and you, you're kind yeah. of, you know, but once you have aches and pains, it definitely changes your approach for the day. So I think all this yeah. is, is important. Yeah. So then we took the medical training and that was awesome. Uh, I think you had taken um, medical, like a basic first aid before I took, I took first aid and CPR before too. And then I read a few books and that was one class we definitely wanted to take together because God forbid one of us takes it and the other one does it. And then the wrong person gets hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a really great class. That was two days. Um, the instructor was absolutely epic. I thought he was so great. And his last name was Shackleton, which was even really funny. Um, yeah. he, he was from, he was from the UK. He was super awesome. He, he's sort of like this extreme sport guy, you know, like he does like ice climbing and all these like extreme sports. And, um, I guess he, he, he's like one of, what do you say? 40 people in the, in the UK, in the UK or something with to, some level of certification. To, yeah. Yeah, because it takes it was people some medical certification. Yeah. 
yeah on on major on, on the like, expeditions yeah 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 i think what was good about it is instead of like just looking at powerpoint slide it was very interactive and uh yeah. and very. It has a lot of knowledge to share and and we were asking a lot of questions and he was able to somehow keep a structure in all these and uh so that yeah this class. it was awesome the basic topics we covered, so we went back over the kind of basic first aid and CPR, and then he, he kind of went into triage situations. So we talked about choking, he talked about stopping the bleeding, um, you know, in, in an instance where one severs, you know, a major artery. We did uh, lacerations and we practiced stitching. How, how did you like that working on a pig's leg? I was like, ah, poor pig. <laughs> and, uh, but there was, yeah. there was a right orange. Like, we, we see this all the time. We see this all the time in butcher shop. You know, like when they handed us the pig's leg, I was like, oh, it's a pig's yeah. leg. And then gross. And then it's yeah. like, oh, it's just like at the butcher shop. <laughs> yeah, we also had an orange to practice. And uh, no, I yeah. think that was good. So the, the, the part, uh, the other part of the course that was really good is very hands-on. You know, like for mm -hmm. CPR, for the ABCs, and you know, you have all the regular like bodies, and and then for what was I think good about the stitching is once you see those medical tools on your table, yeah, there's a little bit of apprehension. You're like, holy shit, you know, like if it's a screwdriver and stuff like this, you're like, okay, I've seen those, I have used those, but suddenly like. It's true. This med this medical equipment, I've only seen it like on TV and stuff, and now it's like it's in front of me, and I'm like, oh man. So having used it takes away a little bit of that apprehension. Hopefully, I don't have to, or we don't have to to use those. But now it 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 took a little bit of that mystery and realizing that yeah, if you can, if yeah. you can be methodical, yeah. then you know that's just it going to. And he had us practice like giving a shot with the needle, um, mm -hmm. which is also good, like where to put it and stuff. And, and so that yeah. was good to practice, Not something you do every day either. And then we learned about burns and stings, how to, use, how to properly use an EpiPen for anaphylaxis or more asthma attacks. We talked about seizures and what to do if someone has a seizure. And then some basic things around uh, stancing a fracture. Yeah, but, you know, the practicality of it all, like approaching the problem, practically speaking, he was very yeah. matter of fact. You know, he, he, it, he wasn't like the theoretical, like he's like, look, you can try to do that, but just do this, you know, um, in some of the some of the conversations we were having or. Or, you know, when we talked about the, um, should we have a AED on board, right? Like we had a conversation about, okay, if you're offshore, the AED probably won't help you because you're so far from shore. Even if you're able to revive someone, you know, getting them follow-up help, you know, is, is a long way away. But if you're at anchor or near shore, you definitely want the extra hour, you know, to help someone as for, as you're getting, you know, so that I think put me over the edge on getting an AED on board as an example, you know, just to be able to know that you 
can can do everything within your control to help somebody. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think do, that's. Have any thoughts on that? No, I mean initially it's like okay, it's unnecessary. Uh, it's an expensive mm-hmm. item, uh, but I was looking at mm-hmm. refurbished and um, ones, and it's kind of like uh, more affordable. Yeah, the, the gist of it is they say it's unnecessary for offshore, but yeah, the the, uh, the conclusion we came to is, you, yeah, you just want to know that you had the tools on board to to do whatever do you everything. could. So yeah. you're not thinking like, oh, I tried to save like uh, $1,500. If I would have had this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that extra hour And you only need it to work once, right? Yeah. It's a little bit like any of those classes. You know, you spend two days and you're not going to be an expert on diesel engine. You're not going to be an expert on medical, as a medical doctor. And um, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of what you can absorb and and prep you to kind of help you at least uh, make some you know preparing a medical kit and and then kind of you know breaking down the the high level things so it's not like totally new to you when something happens but the second one is also there was a book that that he showed us and that is that looked like very very well done it's mm-hmm. called the skipper's medical emergency handbook uh, first aid at sea and um, it was very very graphical like uh, flow charts type things and that's definitely looks like uh, like a great book to to have and and whatever medical kit you buy there's going to be some kind of a a, a book like this can you hear the signals in the background I, th- I can hear the signals in the background that's pretty that's cool, cool. All right, so let's talk about medical kits because that's the third topic here, how to equip the mm-hmm. boat. Um, so, yeah, what have you learned about the different kits? Yeah, so basically, if you, you need to get a medical kit that's going to be adapted to, uh, to like, how far you go offshore. Yeah, so here we're going to talk about more, like, ocean-type medical kit um, because you're, like, um, far away from any immediate assistance. Um, so one thing that I found out, so, I mean, basically they, they're all going to follow the, the basic standard, you know, the, the, there is some guidelines, yeah. On that people have mm-hmm. probably based on the statistics, you know, based on, you, you know, there's no need to have everything <laughs> in the pharmacy. And so more or less, I think from what I've seen, they're all going to contain about the same thing. Uh, it was interesting because there's this company in the UK, uh, MSOS, uh, that provides a, a medical kit um, in two nice, very nice, like yellow hot shell, um, like uh, suitcases type thing. Uh, and uh, one is like kind of ready to go into a life raft, like kind of a grab bag. And but uh, and it's all organized in in different subsections. Um, and so they have this found a company in France called MediDistance. Um, they have everything in French. They have some st- obviously stuff translated as well in English. Um, the so when you combine, um, so those medical kits basically include medicine and includes medical tools. I don't know if tools is the right word. <laughs> Equipment uh-huh. um, and in the medicine. 
you can customize. I guess it's not like off the shelf. Uh, you know, if you are allergic to some antibiotics and they'll put some, so there is some kind of a consultation that happens. So it's when you're ready to order a medical kit, just make sure you give a little bit of a, a time, uh, probably like something, maybe like four weeks or something between to, to get everything sorted out. Uh, but the price uh-huh. was quite different. Uh, the French company like was about 1300 euros. Uh, the UK company was uh, twice as much, 2,600 euros. Um, so that was kind of a little bit of a, of a surprise. Um, so we're probably, uh, based on the f- feedback I got and the compare, comparing those two, um, I think we're probably going to go with the, uh, uh, that French company. And I'll just double check that everything is is in English. But I remember having a conversation with them. Yeah, that would be, labels would be and, something. Like something happened to you, and I'm like, oh, I'll go to the kit, and everything's in French. I'll be like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's not work so out. that would not be good for me. Uh, so I'll double no. check a couple of things like these. But you. otherwise, uh, it comes in soft shell, which I don't mind. I think on one way on both, it's always easier. And it's also structured in different compartments, mm-hmm. you know, burns and this mm-hmm. and that. So so that's kind of was uh, one big surprise on one way. But otherwise, uh, all these type of equipment is going to be pretty uh, yeah. complete. And it comes with... Um, you know, all the medications and stuff, which I think when we did the last two seasons in the med, we sort of pieced together ourselves with our doctor. You know, we had, we had like, uh, you take a certain antibiotic, I take a certain antibiotic because we're both allergic to different things. Um, you know, some basic stuff like anti-nausea medication, some, some seasickness patches, you know, that kind of stuff. But we didn't have you know, specific, like the burn kit and the, you know, like we had basic stuff, um, which I think is pretty easy to do with your own doctor. If you're, if you're kind of in coastal waters, um, but I kind of feel like offshore, it's a whole different bulk because you need to be able to ready for it. And the other thing is, uh, to get those medical kits, uh, typically they're, I mean, for the offshore, like the ocean ones, uh, they will require that you have attended, um, uh, some kind of training like the one we've attended because obviously there is very some specialized you know tools and medicine and so they want you to have some basic knowledge on that so that's something to to keep in mind and i was reading my notes for that i got from the uk company it said to supply the medicine they will need they will need the vessel registration and the captain's license Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, I'm not sure I'll have to check with the French company because ideally you want yeah that early uh, but they might require again uh, like vessel registration information and stuff like this yeah so um so that's the 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 medical kit um in terms of just quickly the medicines as well and it sort of transitions to the next topic is we're learning more about uh, the telemedicine piece. Oh, and, before, you know, what, before we go, before yeah. we go. And the other thing for people who already have a medical kit um, is to not forget like anything on a boat, you need to do like regular maintenance on it. So that means uh, some medicine expires 
or maybe mm-hmm. it's been used, certain things have been used in the past. So just like a life jacket or something, like maybe once a year, just go through your list and, and uh, yeah, and and then, yeah, update, upgrade things. Uh, so that's, that's yeah. uh, kind of a part of that category, I think, of how to equip your boat. Um, okay, so what I was starting to talk about is um, if you need to use telemedicine or doctors, and this, is, let's kind of break them up into online doctors uh, and then the telemedicine. And then we talked a little bit if you're offshore and you need to contact telemedicine uh, or get rescue, you know, the rescue authorities. So for the online doctors, there's definitely in, in there's different things you can use for online telemedicine and people have gotten used to that with COVID. Uh, there's also these that are per reason we've heard about for the EU where you can um, talk to a doctor online and get a prescription in minutes uh, where you are locally. So that's good. So you don't need to necessarily, if you're at her, you don't necessarily need to find a local doctor, uh, although good. Um, in the U.S. Um, specifically, if you're traveling around and, and you're in the U.S., you can actually sign up medical, which is across the U.S., which is about you sign up for it's like 200 bucks um, a year kind of membership. And then it's between 175 and 250 a visit if you need to go into a clinic and there's clinics everywhere. So it's actually kind of an interesting model. So you don't go to an ER, you go to one medical and um, they can treat you. Uh, I don't think they're, they're open 24 seven, but you know, for that can weigh like an earache or, you know, something, something uh, sinus or something like that. So I think what's important is understanding like what is, what is the backup option um, if you're in a different country and you, you know, you're not sure about your own insurance and what it covers or, you know, what the available kind of, um, uh, services are in the country. So like one medical, for instance, has the clinics, but part of the membership includes the teledoctor too. So, um, those are some things to think about. But in terms of the, the kind of getting immediate help when you're on the boat, what we also learned is that some countries, we're not sure if it's, we need to do more research, but we're not sure if it's all countries or just some countries, uh, France for example, is required to provide medical assistance to vessels at all times. So we were were given like this whole sheet of paper saying, okay, here's who you call. And France is required to get someone um, on the radio with you or your phone or whatever and provide you medical assistance remotely. So that was really interesting to learn. So, So that's something. So, but for any of those telemedical assistance services, what you need to do is basically before you leave, you have some medical forms uh, that you can fill and provide to whatever service um, you subscribe to. And uh, and also you give a list of basically what you have in your medical kit. So they have this on file. And whenever, if you have ever, ever have to call them, uh, they already have that information and they can better point you to like, okay, use this particular antibiotic in this case or stuff like this. 
So in so we were talking about the service provided in France free of charge. Um, uh, however, like uh, the the same company in the U.S. in sorry in the U.K. Uh, MSOS provides also telemedical assistance, and it's fourteen hundred euros per year. So, right. uh, so yeah, if you can take advantage of uh, kind of if you're a home country or you know provide some of those services, obviously that's that sounds like a good plan. Uh, we're definitely going to investigate a little bit more, and uh, but if not, that's at least one price point we got for uh, telemedical assistance. Yeah, and so there's three options. There's potentially free option that is required by law, um, depending on the countries. That's one thing to look to in terms of the countries you visit, visit or the areas you visit. The second mm-hmm. option is like a global service, like MSOS. So you're saying, basically 1400 pounds right because they would be um, pounds euros. per year. they provided oh the euros price they provided okay. the pricing in euros yes okay so per year and they do global telemedicine and then the third option is depending on what insurance you have your insurance may also offer global telemedicine emergency assistance uh, which is what we found when we started looking at insurance again, because I am absolutely not happy with our current insurance provider, Cigna Global. Um, so I'm looking for alternatives. What I found out in talking to some um, other brokers, so what we've been doing is sort of going through U.S. brokers, and then you end up getting sort of the same set of people who provide these global uh insurance programs for people who do global travel. And, you know, they're, the, the prices are pretty high. So just in general, um, we, we pay right around $1,000 a month for medical, global medical coverage with a pretty high deductible. And um, it covers us for when we're outside the U.S. for things um, and then inside the U.S. for uh, wellness um, visits, outpatient visits, and anything major injuries, uh, as long as we're not in the U.S. more than 90 days. So that has been fine in the last um, couple of years, because that's kind of how we've been using it. And that's all fine. But the thing is, is when you start talking to brokers outside the U.S., actually, you get a lot more options. And if you're not like, now that we're going to start our circumnavigation, we're not necessarily going to be in the U.S. a lot. So um, if you sort of say, okay, we're going to be in France, dealing with our boat, go, I have a long stay visa, residing in France, because we're, we're not establishing a residence there. We're just like visiting to be able to get the and, and, you know, fix everything and then, and then start operation um, West uh, you basically set up France as your main place, your, your the main place you're going to be seen, and then it covers you for uh, everything associated with um, all your wellness visits, all your, um, you know, just I would call voluntary outpatient in any French country you visit, which 
French islands and the Caribbean, which suits us just fine for maybe the first couple of years, right? Um, and then it covers you globally. So if something happens unforeseen, you have an accident, you rush to the emergency room or evacuated or airlift or whatever it is, it covers you for all that. What it happens though, if you select France, for instance, um, it it means that if you have something kind of more catastrophic, um, you know, say you discover you have cancer or you have a heart attack and it requires follow-up visits, then the worst case scenario is you go back to France for those kinds of treatments. You don't actually go back to the U.S. So that's kind of a decision that's personal, of course. Um, for me, it was like, well, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, so you have to kind of look at like, what's the likelihood that's going to happen. And we know we're healthy. We did full body scans in Turkey for cheap. Um, so that uh, works out fine. Um, so I think we might go with that. And the reason is because it's our costs down to $500 a year for both of us, uh, versus a thousand dollars a year, which a yeah, thousand so, a month. What do you think? Thousand you a said year? thousand yeah, a year. Thousand a month. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thousand a month. Versus Sorry. Yeah. 500 a, a month. In a year would be super cheap, yeah. Again, because like most cruisers, like once you, I mean, the U.S. is definitely a very unique country <laughs> where yeah. the costs can go up very quickly. And so once you spend most of your time outside, um, then I think it justifies to take a different approach. And especially definitely. when... yeah. When you work in the U.S. for a bigger company, you know they subsidize part of this medical insurance. When suddenly you're a small business or or like a, mm -hmm. a small company or not working, then you you bear the burden of the the whole cost. Or and, an individual, so, just a private individual. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Is that our deductible is so high that what we learned is. Um, like if you go get your teeth cleaned in France, for instance, it's going to cost you 40 euros, you know, 40 euros out of pocket, you know, it's easier. It's easy to just pay the 40. Well, you have to pay the 40 euros. You have to manually submit the claims to our insurance company. It doesn't like automatically track our international coverage number. So it's all like man manual process, which is through Cigna is like so cumbersome and impossible that they, I feel like they just sort of create these hurdles. So you won't actually file claims. So like the $40 just to pay and not even worry about filing it as a claim towards your deductible is like worth the ease of all the hassle of even filing a claim, you know? So it's mm -hmm. like, it's like these, you know, you can get antibiotics in France. Um, if you had a sinus infection or something for like, I don't know, 10 euros or something. It's so cheap, you know? So mm. I, I'm sure every single place we visit isn't going to be that, but certainly most of the places we've visited so far, uh, yeah. in Europe and Turkey and, you know, all these different places, it's been super easy. Um, and when they realize you the you same thing about Mexico, you know what I mean? Like we've heard that too about cruising in Mexico is cheap. Mm. So we're looking into different options. So I'm going to do a whole separate podcast date once I kind of make a decision on what we're going to go with and can talk about more detail what we're getting. But most of these include evacuation coverage. So if you have to, you know, be 
rescued by a helicopter or, you know, something like that. They have these plans. A lot of people get them, like if they're doing, um, they're climbing Everest or going hiking in places, they have this kind of traveler's evacuation services, I guess. If you want to get rescued, if you want to, you know, there's an option in that to do like a emergency wartime evacuation, you know, like a, a military evacuation, if you want that. Um, but there's, you know, there's things like that. And also, you know, this sounds really bad, but like, where do you want your mortal, mortal remains sent? You know, there's a whole process for making sure your remains, you know, get somewhere. Um, is another thing, you know, you don't necessarily want to be talking about, but certainly is something that is part of like thinking about your coverage overall. So yeah, a lot to um, kind of think about just in terms of planning, you know, for the worst case scenario, but knowing that the reality is kind of back to the statistics we said in the very beginning, like of, of the worst thing happening, let's so say a head injury with head trauma, for the 44% of the incidents encountered over that period of time when the study was done, so that was a four-year period, 1% had a head trauma or included an evacuation. So the likelihood of that happening is, is still pretty, pretty low. Not, you know, it does it, it exists, but the, it's not a high risk. Um, but you definitely want to be evacuated if, if that does happen to you, right? Okay, so that's what we wanted to share with everybody is the, is the medical um, procedures and the medical training and the medical preparation. So, uh, so it kind of brings yeah. everything kind of full circle. Like after this medical training, do you feel like, okay, I could do this? I think the combination of, of uh, yeah, having done things once and uh, and also knowing that you have access to like people on shore um, mm-hmm. to help you with like advice and and assistance and nowadays with the technology potentially like i mean you could do a video conference with starting mm-hmm. in the middle of the ocean and you could really show like instead of describing the cut or where it's broken whatever i mean you could really show and you could even mm-hmm. perform, I guess, like some medical, you know, things. Procedure. And have some yeah, procedures and have somebody like, you know, guide you. So so I think it's definitely easier or potentially easier nowadays than, than it used to do, to be with all this uh, technology and this preparation you can do. And, and so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I won't think about it too much once we've done the preparation. Cool. All right. Well, that's all we have to share today. This is a little bit long of a podcast, but it's a really good topic. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, um, make sure you drop us a note at sailingowen at gmail.com. And fair winds for now. Bon bon. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Ah!